Welcome to Distilled the Bourbon Podcast. I'm Brent. I'm here with my co-hosts, Chuck and Brian. Fellas, it's good to see you. We're back in the turret today. And what can I say? Happy anniversary. Happy birthday yeah. to us. I yeah. can't believe Cheers, it. Cheers to that. One today year. is uh, our first anniversary as a podcast. We uploaded our first episode uh, one year ago today. And today, this marks our 30th episode that we have. Uh, so we're moving right along. Uh, and man, it's been a fun ride, hasn't it? It's been a fun year. It's gone awfully fast, to be it, quite frank. It has been a lot of fun, and we're still in diapers. And we are. I I, uh, I played our very first episode. That was hard uh, to listen to. That was hard to listen to, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Uh, we hopefully we've uh, moved along the learning curve just a little bit and are a little more entertaining. Uh, you know, if you like this show, if you're still with us, thank you. Hopefully, you've already hit that subscribe button, that like button. Share it on Facebook with your friends. Tell your mom and dad. Uh, we appreciate that. It helps us out. But mostly, just thank you for for listening to three idiots talk about our love for bourbon, and that's what we've done. You know, we've uh, we've been to several distilleries. We have. We've uh, gone to Peerless. We've hit uh, MB Roland. We've been down to our friends at Casey Jones, Green River. All those were great tours. Spirits of French Lick. Spirits of French Lick. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we've had some great guests on, we've had our friends, uh, Brad Schneider and Kurt Hamilton. They've probably been on more episodes than, than anyone else. But, uh, you know, we, we've had, um, uh, John, uh, Wilkie, John Wilkie, Wilkie. Uh, who's, who, uh, I met because of this, uh, this whole, uh, ordeal. I saw him last night. He wants to come back on. Uh, I'm ready. John, you are welcome. Anytime, my friend, we'd love to have you. You're part of the family. Next time we won't invite Brad or Kurt so you can talk. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, the turret does get kind of small. Yeah. When, when myself, Brad, and Kurt are all in the room, I don't know how you guys breathe. Some big, some big personalities there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've done some things like we've gone to uh, Justin's House of Bourbon. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about our favorite cocktails. We've uh, learned how to make uh, uh, Chuck. You've taught us how to make our own barrel-aged Manhattan, yeah. which is one of my absolute favorite drinks that there there that there is on the planet uh so we've uh we've done a lot of things someday i'm gonna have to make a boulevardier oh took me long enough to learn how to pronounce it i should be able to make one sometime or another so do you guys have a favorite episode the most intriguing episode that we we've done you know i really like the uh first best and last episode where we talk about those our first experience our our best experience our last experience Uh, that kind of um was special to me. I don't know. What you, Chuck, do you have one? Uh, you know that last episode, uh, and then there were six where we had, <laughs> yeah, uh, where we had uh, Aaron and uh, Michael come in from uh, the, the Broken Cork podcast. They're really knowledgeable, and uh, Brent had a set up on a, on a blind tasting of, of six uh, uh, tastings, and he said, "Now they may not all be bourbon. They may not be rye. They could be <laughs> scotch. They, it could be some dark rum and so forth." He's trying to trying to throw a, a curveball. There might be us. some red herrings yeah. in there a little bit. But it was fun. It was an impossible task and and completely meaningless because nobody would ever sit down and say, bring me six things that I don't know what they are. And let me tell you what what I think about them. But uh, how much fun was that? And completely different results than what I thought. We the, would the, have. the thing that I found, I, I always say I don't have any golden palette, not, not like Michael and, and Aaron have. But I was 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 pleased that I was very consistent with the things that I really like, like E.H. Uh, e. Taylor. That was my number one. Things that I'm not really that crazy about, Van Winkle stuff, it just doesn't do anything for right. me. It was like number four. So yeah. 
Uh, and uh, we talked about Casey Jones, the the, the weeded being my, my second, through, man. Yeah, my my second favorite. So, and that's what I liked about the uh, the blind tastings. You know, you think just because Pappy Van Winkle's just so hard to get that it's going to be the number one number one sipper, and uh, we've proven that that's not necessarily always the case. Right. And there's other people out there in the bourbon community that are proving that as well when they do blind tastings. Um, Aaron, actually, uh, uh, Van Winkle overall tied for first um, um, among the six panelists. Uh, and uh, including Aaron and and Michael, so uh, and and I, you know they they talked about it, it was woody, meaning it had been aged for a long time. Um, when I t- run across people who say I don't really care for bourbon, my comment usually is, well, that's just more for the rest of us. So right. when when I say Van Winkle's just not really my thing, that just means it's more for the rest of you guys. Has that not been the theme of our our little show here? Is drink what you love for real, yeah. for real. You know, if if you're a, if you're like Brian and you just want to drink Cooper. <laughs> cooper's craft all the time go for it i mean that's that's what we like uh now if you like to add ice add ice (laughs) yeah if you like it neat great if you want to put it in a a mixer or in a cocktail fantastic it's a mama's and papa saying go where you want to go do what you want to want to do you know i couldn't have said any better chuck i like that (laughs) reference so my mama Cass. i like that um i look like you sound like it was perfect (laughs) so uh, there you go. Happy anniversary to us. Uh, what a fun time. We're going to keep going. If you keep listening, even if you don't listen, we're going to keep, keep going, going yeah. uh, because we have fun uh, doing this. And, and how much have we learned? I don't know, but you, you guys knew a lot more about bourbon than I did. And you still do. But uh, we keep learning. You know, I'm trying, trying new juice all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're learning different things. Uh, you know, I learned something from our friends over at the Broken Cork podcast. Uh, they had a video out this last week talking about why the proof goes up uh, in the barrel. And we've asked that question oh, how many times? I've, I've got to hear that. So uh, it was postulated that it's the size of the molecule. Ethanol is larger than the water molecule. Water molecule obviously only has three atoms in it. And so it can permeate the wood and escape whereas the ethanol has a harder time getting out of the barrel. That, that, so. That's interesting. The, where I was coming from is that that, that alcohol uh, evaporates at a, a lower temperature than water, so I thought that should be the thing right. that, that, that would evaporate first. Right. On the other hand, I had a, a friend years ago who for temporarily was in the, the vacuum cleaner business, and I remember him talking. Did he um, say it really sucked? <laughs> <laughs> he uh he went uh, to a convention with a uh, with his boss and a bunch of blowhards at this convention were you know showing off how much they knew about the vacuum cleaner industry. So his boss started talking about the suction to groove ratio. <laughs> <laughs> completely made up, complete uh, BS. Uh, and my friend just stood in awe as th- th- his boss had these other guys going, "Oh yeah, suction to groove ratio, <laughs> absolutely." Yeah. So. Uh, I did say postulated. I'm not sure that's I like proven. That. I like that. But I do like the idea of could it be that, yes, alcohol evaporates quicker and turns into vapor, but it can't get out because of the larger size molecules. I don't know if that's true, but that's what our friends over at the uh, Broken uh, broken uh, Cork, cork uh, podcast said. There's just and a lot I'm going to find out. A lot so of mysteries regarding bourbon. That there are, and I need a chemical engineer to send me an email to tell me that I'm an idiot, please. All right, fellas, today's episode, let's yeah. get to it. Yeah. Um, over this last year, we've talked a lot about the fraternal nature of bourbon. Absolutely. We've met a lot of friends. Chuck, you talk about every time you go to a new distillery or back to the uh, to the same distillery for the 12th time. I do that. You meet 
amazing people. Sure. I, I just love the camaraderie. And, you know, you can kind of tell, you know, there's, there's people who are newbies. They know nothing about it. They, they kind of gag when they try the whiskey. That's fine. But you can just kind of tell, you know, as the tour goes along and questions are asked, you can find somebody who's like, all right, this is this is one of my brothers right here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after the tour and after the tasting, you know, kind of sidle up to them and say, well, you know, where are you from? And, you know, what have you been at? And uh, it's just cool. You know, people love to compare notes about distilleries they've been to, stuff they, they've tasted. So, yeah, uh, bourbon is very fraternal. It's all about that. Absolutely. And there are new ways. Maybe there are old ways. There are ways for bourbon fans to get together and uh, share their love for bourbon. And that is bourbon societies and bourbon clubs, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, just out, out of the bat, uh, a couple of different kinds of bourbon clubs. There, there's a bourbon club. Th- there's a thing called a bourbon club that's basically a monthly or quarterly online subscription where you pay you know, 80 bucks a month or something like that, and you'll get some type of mystery uh, bourbon or, or whiskey in the mail. Uh, and that's fine. That's great. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about uh People coming together, uh, talking about their love, and because of their love for bourbon. Right. It's kind of like a um, a fraternity or a community organization of some sort. Uh, it doesn't have to be within a city or or a metropolitan area. It could be virtual. Like uh, we had a a great episode uh, talking to our, our friend Steve Higdon about the Big Bourbon Club, which started off as a virtual bourbon club during COVID, uh, i think during COVID, right and uh we'll put a link to the uh to that episode in the show notes below but there are all kind of bourbon clubs so let me tell you about my original involvement with, with a, a bourbon club uh, uh here in our little town um uh, on a friday afternoon one time i got a, a phone call or a text from a buddy of mine and he said uh hey it's time for us to meet for a board meeting so it's like all right cool we're gonna meet at uh, the commonwealth kitchen and bar for a board meeting I don't know what board meeting he's talking about, but if, if we're going to meet at, at, at the bar, then uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> present and accounted for, sir. And so it was just kind of a joke. And we did that for a, a few months and, and it was kind of random. Uh, Stanley would, would, you know, he'd round up a dozen guys and so forth and we'd have a really good time. Well, one December, we went out to uh, our friend Joe's house, a very lovely home. He put out a nice spread of food and there, there was a larger crowd than usual. And Christmas, of course, was, was coming up. And uh, Joe, uh, you, know, you know, tapped a glass for attention and said, hey, uh, look, I've, I've become aware of, of a woman, a grandmother who's raising a, a, a granddaughter. And this grandmother's got nothing for Christmas for her, for her granddaughter. Guys, I'm going to pass around the hat, uh, you know, I chip in and let's see if we can't do something nice for somebody. Nice. So we did that. And, and, and it was cool. Next thing I know, Joe is formally organizing the Men's Bourbon Society of, of Henderson. Now, l- let me preface. Men's Bourbon Society, I understand. Already in our community, there was an organization called the Partnership of Women, right. a philanthropic organization, a membership organization where uh, th- these ladies uh, you know, put up membership dues, annual membership dues, and they meet once a year and, and, and vote on how they want to expend that to philanthropic uh, organizations. So you get the Partnership of Women. They're doing their thing. We started the Men's Bourbon Society. And from what I can tell, every bourbon club, every bourbon society, it's a little bit different. I'll just mention briefly how uh, what, what our bourbon society is like. It's largely it is philanthropic. Uh, we've given uh, away over one hundred thousand dollars in That's just amazing. three years. 
Uh, and also the Men's Bourbon Society during COVID was the, the organizing uh, power behind a thing called the Henderson Employee Relief Fund, where we reached out to uh, business people, uh, city government, county government. Uh, that ended up being like three quarters of a million dollars that was provided to provide relief to people who found themselves out of work very suddenly. And it was going to take weeks and weeks and weeks before unemployment checks were, were going to show up. Right. So uh, the Men's Bourbon Society did a lot of good. But in terms of our month to month meetings, we usually meet at somebody's home, maybe their place of business. Brian, you're going to be uh, hosting here next month. Yeah, ne- next month, and, and and you can talk about what you got lined up. I'm excited about it, yeah. but it's it's very social. Uh, we gather around. There's, I think we got about 75 members, and maybe there's 50 guys in attendance, ranging from you know 22 to 75 or something like that. Uh, and it's it just a chance to get acquainted. I usually try to find somebody that I don't don't talk with all the time. Talk with our love of, of bourbon. Try different things. Find out you know what, what's going on. Uh, maybe a little bit of business gets conducted, but it's very much a, a social kind of a thing, and I look forward to it every month. Brian has experience with more bourbon clubs than I have, so uh, like uh, so the more traditional bourbon societies. I'm part of Evansville, Indiana's Bourbon Society, along with Owensboro, Kentucky's, uh, and th- theirs are very similar in the fact that that the dues each year is typically about a hundred dollars. And uh, you get typically a Glen Karen, and then you get uh, each month they, they'll hold a meeting. And the meetings consist of either a, a tasting of different types of bourbons, or they'll have a guest speaker come in. Uh, last month, the Evansville Bourbon Society had Freddie Johnson come in. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. From so Buffalo Trace. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it. But yeah, J- Freddie from Buffalo Trace came down. I thought you were going to take me that month. Uh, I was supposed to, but had to cancel off the last minute. Wait a minute. Chuck got invited? He did. Yeah. You you always work, Brent. So. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, so those bourbon societies are more your traditional bourbon societies. There's no philanthropy uh, a- aspect to those. Uh, it's more about the bourbon. A lot of these clubs, they get to do barrel picks. Yeah, barrel picks. So barrel picks, uh, Evansville and Owensboro, they typically do about four or five barrel picks every year. Now, the club itself can't buy the barrel, so they'll partner with a liquor store. Uh, they get the barrel picks in. They'll, they'll purchase it from the liquor store, and then each member has the right to buy the bottles. And remind us what a barrel pick even is. A uh, barrel pick is essentially the club typically goes to the barrel pick. Uh, they'll... They'll choose from typically three to five barrels and uh, select. You're basically, them. sampling from different barrels, straight from the barrel at the distillery. At the distillery, uh, some of them, some of them are a small batch, so they'll mix a couple barrels together. Yeah. But the typical single barrel is is just as it implies, it's actual single barrel where they'll taste it. Some of them will dilute it down, like seventeen ninety two full proof, for instance. Uh, it might come in at one thirty five proof. Yeah. Well, they cut all theirs to one twenty five. Uh, so you have to put a little water in and, uh, but every distillery is a little different. Uh, but every bourbon society, um, that like Evansville and Owensboro, they're all doing barrel picks. Big Uh, bourbon club does that too. Big bourbon. I think last time when we went to, uh, went to, uh, Louisville to attend one of those in person, I came back with four bottles of bourbon. You sure did. And what bourbon clubs do is they give access to to barrel picks where typically a average person off the street can't just go on a single barrel pick unless you work at a liquor store or you know somebody uh you're not gonna get the opportunity to do that so that's a huge incentive yeah. for some people to actually go even to if i store. could buy a barrel uh dr gentastic would probably divorce me if i did so yep. it's a really great way to try uh you know 
single barrel uh, uh, bourbons. So how many club members would go to a pick? Uh, so since COVID, the numbers have really dwindled. Before, you could take 15, 20 people wow. to a pick. Uh, typically, it's under 10, and more than likely, the bigger distilleries, four to six people okay. on average. Yeah. Uh, but the barrel, the bourbon societies typically want all their guy, their board members or whomever to, to do the pick. Uh, that And the reason they do that is because if the pick is bad, it's on them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't want to pick a skunky barrel. Right, exactly. Uh, and now a lot of these bourbon societies, they, they reach out to the distilleries themselves. But like I said, you have to go through a liquor store to do it. Uh, Owensboro Bourbon Society, actually, the guy that runs that, he, he started it, I think, about 15 years ago. Is that right? It was one of the first ones, uh, was the first one in Western Kentucky. I think one of the first ones in the state outside of Louisville, was it I not? believe so. Uh, I know Paducah was shortly after mm-hmm. uh, Owensboro, but yeah, it's one of the first ones. It just so happens the guy's not even from Kentucky. He's from like Boston. <laughs> uh, there is a, a, a big bourbon society in Boston. Uh, almost any town of any size in Kentucky has a, a, uh, has a bourbon society. And again, the, the rules are all different. Some of them have websites. Some of them have websites with members only areas. Some of them have Facebook pages. Some of them have YouTube videos talking about their, their, uh, their organizations. Uh, so almost any town of any, uh, any city of any size in Kentucky, there's going to be some type of bourbon thingamajig there. Uh, but I've read about uh, bourbon societies or bourbon clubs Boston, Chicago, St. Louis. Out in Oakland, there is the Black Bourbon Society. They claim they've got 30,000 members. I was just about to say, not only are they in communities, but they're in constituencies and in certain, um, uh, well, any way you could break up people. Uh, there are women bourbon societies. There are African-American bourbon societies. Uh, There's a British bourbon society. Yes, Absolutely. And with Facebook now, there's a lot more clubs on Facebook as well. I'm part of the Warrior Barrel Society, which is basically a bunch of veterans who, you know, have an affinity for for bourbon. And we just get on there, do a toast uh, to to whatever, and call somebody out, and then they have to uh, drink some bourbon as well. And what's great, I, I've never went on any of their field trips, but every year, a few times a year, uh, they'll do barrel picks and they'll have golf outings uh, and things of that nature. And these are people who have never met before who will meet to go play golf together, but it's their love of bourbon that, you know, unites them and brings them together. So I've read a little bit about a really cool bourbon club up in Louisville. It started, I think this past spring, Watch Hill proper in East Louisville, which is a very fashionable, fashionable part of Louisville. See, there went my bottle. I'm keeping my mouth so close to the microphone. (laughs) You were so close, Chuck. So close. I'm going home empty handed. Uh, so it, it costs a lot. To the, the initiation is more than $1,000. You pay nearly $1,000 a, a year. Uh, but they have their own venue. They have a, a kitchen, bar. They serve good food. A lot of leather seating. Looks very clubby and so forth like that. Uh, I, I th- you can bring guests. I think uh, the, the members, for their membership, they get a discount on, on, on what they buy. Uh, pretty exclusive. I'm looking for one of my well-heeled friends to invite <laughs> me very soon. Uh, there are big bourbon societies. I mentioned that one, in, uh, the, uh, the one out in Oakland. Um, I've heard about a bourbon society in Louisville that has 12, mem- uh, 12 members. Uh, the idea, there's 12 months a year, so each member hosts uh, one month. Uh, is this Bard? It's barred, yep. The the uh, the uh, bourbon and rye drinking society, something like that. Yeah, uh, I I read about that one earlier today. Yeah, drinker society. It, it actually um, started 
was one of the very first ones, I think, in the nation, maybe 20 years ago or so. And uh, uh, they eventually disbanded as members uh, moved away yes. or, or, or lost interest or whatever. And then uh, the founder rekindled this, uh, this effort, did they not? Because they were members of the big societies, and they really wanted that uh, small club feel again, I think. So... You have been a, you're a member of bourbon clubs where you have a, like a formal program and you'll hear from a distiller, uh, the Henderson Men's Bourbon Society. We've done that a time or two, um, but they're usually a lot more informal. Um, so which format do you prefer or do you like both of them? Brian? I like both. I mean, I think both of them have a place. Um, th- there's a big difference between Evansville and and. Owensboro compared to Henderson. Uh, there's some things I like more about Henderson as opposed to Evansville and vice versa. I like that uh, about Evansville and Owensboro that you have speakers that come in more often and you actually get to meet with some of the distillers and some of the owners of these craft distilleries and b- larger distilleries. Uh, and they, cause they really get to tell their story. You can look their stories up online, but it's even better to have them in person to sure. talk about it and about some of the decisions that they've, they've made and some of the, uh, bourbon that they've created out of accident, you know, just like Peerless, the the double oak, you know, that they didn't do that on purpose. It was, you know, because they had a leaky barrel. <clears throat> on the other hand, I like Henderson because it's more about just the social aspect. You know, it's nice to go in and not have a bunch of bourbon snobs sniffing their bourbon and talking right. about the tasting notes and all that stuff. We we can all agree that that's really not us. We we like what we like and and that's about it. Uh, but that's what I really like about Henderson. It's more laid back. Uh, more about the social aspects. Uh, and, I, and I think most people, you know, they like what they like. And, you know, if, if you're into the the history of bourbon and things of that nature, uh, a club like Evansville or Owensboro, you know, would be more fitting. I know what the solution is for me. I've got to be a member of more than one bourbon society. I do too, yeah. absolutely. I, because I love the presentations. I love the history. But I also love the camaraderie, especially in, in, in our little town, of, of getting to know you know, you, you you know a lot of people, but you can get to know somebody a little bit better than you did before, and, and form connections. Yeah. And it's I just it's love a it. lot like bourbon. I love Cooper's Craft. I also love Kentucky Owl Confiscated. Yeah. There, it's only about a hundred dollars difference in price between the two. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like Henderson Evans, uh, that's exactly <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, how much fun is it? to be part of this part of these clubs and, it, and to it, it, it's good meet stuff. people so so look online see if there's an organization in in your community find out you know how open they are to, to, to new members uh, uh, like i said a lot of them have facebook pages or uh or, or, or websites and uh you know it you know it might really just turn out to be your jam you never know what's going to happen about a year ago a little more than a year ago uh, I went to one of these meetings and uh, uh, our friend Brad Schneider says, Hey, I want to meet, I want to introduce you to somebody. So this is uh, Brian McDaniels. He owns the, the beverage barns. He's heard that you uh, want to do a bourbon podcast. Uh, you should talk to him. History and, was uh, being made. And so we sat down at, uh, at uh, Chase uh, Fulcher's uh, best one insurance uh, uh, outside on his deck, outside the office. I and, remember that night. And uh, I said, uh, you know what? We got to have, if we're going to do this, we got to have Chuck Stinnett because uh, he knows everything there is to know about bourbon. Untrue. And uh, well, pretty close. And uh, there you go. So Here we are talking into microphones. So Brian, you are hosting the men's bourbon society in th- th- this, 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 October, this, this next yes. month. So tell us what, you, what, what to expect there. So 
if anybody's familiar with the beverage barn, the lumber yard on Barrett Boulevard is where I'll be hosting it. Obviously, we have a, a lot of members in my house just isn't big enough. Uh, so we're going to have three different distilleries out there. Green River, uh, Casey Jones, and RD1 will all be out there nice. to, to speak about their bourbons. Uh, we're going to have beer and different bourbons. Uh, and the way our Henderson Club is set up, uh, somebody hosts and they provide all the alcohol. Yes. Uh, so that that will be taking place. And then uh, we're supposed to have our annual meeting. So we'll discuss some business after, you know, we get a little cocktails in us. Uh, just <laughs> makes makes things go easier. You know? See where our philanthropy right. is going to be going. See where we're going to put our money. And if you're in the Henderson area and you're listening to this, reach out to us. I'd love to have you have you come by and, and uh, stop by and see what our Bourbon Society is all about. It's a great society and there's a bunch of great people uh, part of it. Cool stuff. So there you go. That's a little bit about uh, bourbon societies and bourbon clubs. Fellas, anything else uh, that you can think of we need to add to this discussion? Let's see here. If you're going to drink, how should you do it? Responsibly. Responsibly. Please drink responsibly. <laughs>